Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. My guest today is Pete Robertson. You might know him as Robbo. He is a three-times world champion in triathlon. He's qualified for two Olympic Games, Sydney in 2000, Athens in 2004. He's also a bronze medalist in the Commonwealth Games. And Pete is transitioning to more of a mentoring and coaching role through his business Elite Performing Minds, but he still competes in triathlon. And what we talk about on today's podcast is how he's had such great success over the last two decades of competition and how he's used some mental strategies and mindset strategies to have the upper edge over his competitors and how he now teaches that to other athletes through his business Elite Performing Minds. I was at the airport when I recorded this call, so there's a little bit of background noise, so hopefully you can still hear the audio very clearly, but just to give you a heads up, there's a little bit of background noise and a few announcements over the loudspeaker as well. So here we go. Here's Pete talking about how he's now making that transition into more of a mentoring role. Yeah, well, I initially retired actually from racing back in 2010, and then I had a bit of time away from the sport, and then... After about 12 months, I got involved again, and that was through actually a, a coaching role through Triathlon Australia. And I was really fortunate to be able to work with some of the top elite elite juniors and, you know, sort of the future of triathlon in Australia. And that was, yeah, really, I really enjoyed the role, but I guess like anything, until you get into it, you don't really find out what you really want, what you really like about it. And I... I really enjoyed more the mental side of the coaching game, and and to be honest, the, the physical side was you know the, the technical aspects of coaching it didn't really interest me that much, and that's why I've, I really since then have sort of gone more down the the, the side of yeah focusing you know, totally on on the mind aspect of sport and. So, yeah, since I've finished up in that role and then around the same time I started back into racing again. I sort of came out of retirement, went back. Not just being the, um, 100% focused on being an athlete anymore. I, I went back and, and studied uh, elite athlete mentoring and... So yeah, during that, even while I was studying, I was you know, actively doing more mentoring with athletes I was training with. Uh, you know, I had some access to athletes in the squad I was training with. So I was training with Aeromax for a while there, and the coach there, Grant Giles, gave me access. You know, just let me mentor some of the the squad members, which was really. You know, I think it was a win-win for hopefully everyone involved. And, and yeah, from there it's developed. And then, yeah, um, yeah oh, early this year I launched, you know, I officially launched Elite Performing Minds and sort of, I guess, took it a bit more public. And, yeah, so it's it's been a progression. Uh, and, yeah, I, and for me I think something... You know, mentoring is it's not something you can force on anyone. And so, 
I've grown it, I guess, more organically. Um, and, yeah, just trying to combine both still the, the racing with uh, the mentoring. Do you find that still competing actually helps you with your coaching? Because, I mean, I, I find that when I'm coaching best, when I've got the most uh, motivation, when I'm really, um, you know, when I'm, I'm thinking hard about what sort of programs I want to give my swimmers is when I'm training at a, at a higher level. So have you found a similar thing? Oh, to be honest, uh, I've been very surprised actually how much I get out of mentoring. Uh, it's it's not, nothing. I never set out to actually that to be the case, uh, but it's quite, uh, you know, I was blown away, you know, how, I don't, I don't uh Hard to explain sometimes, but yeah, you get so much out of the sessions um, personally yourself, you know, mm. especially when, yeah, you're getting uh, good outcomes or, you know, you overcome some sort of, a lot of times it's it's not me telling people what to do. They're often telling me what, what they're going to do and that's something that I've learned through the study is to try, um, yeah, coax that out of athletes is, get them to tell me what they're going to do and it's a much more powerful way of, of mentoring where, you know, I, I got into mentoring because I had what I thought was a great mentor and that was something that I wanted to pass on a lot of the knowledge that I've learned over the years, that he taught me over the years. Um, but I always knew that there's probably a more effective way of getting that message across and that, and through the study, I was quite surprised at what I did learn out of the study. And, yeah, one of the, the keys to what I learned through mentoring or through the course was that it's not – I'm not here to tell people what to do. I'm here for people to tell me what to do and then sort of together, you know, we come up with some some ways of, of getting the best outcomes. But it's, it's definitely not – Oh, you there? Hey, you there? Yeah, I think this dropped out right at the end there. Uh, um, yeah, I dropped out at, um, what was it? Um, you were, uh, yeah, you're talking about, um, yeah, the thing you found through the study was that um, it's not, yeah, that you, well, that you, yeah, that you can't coax it out of people. I think, so I should be able to, to cut it so it works, yeah. so it works probably, that's all good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so with, um, so with that, does, is, does that mean asking uh, different or, or better questions or, um, you know, what kind of what kind of changes had you made um, as you as you started to learn more? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I have to, rather than me telling people what to do, I have to ask the right questions. And so that's been, I guess, a real challenge for me in, in through mentoring is that you know, it's easy to tell people what to do, 
and and anyone can do that. And that's why I guess there are a lot of mentors out there. But what I'm trying to achieve through Elite Performing Minds is being an effective mentor. Um, my mentor, who I you know I talk about a lot, I have a lot of respect for him. He worked really well for me because I I knew that he had his best interests at heart. But the fact that I got I benefited so much out of his mentoring, it didn't mean that translated to every other athlete that he touched and worked with. Um, so, I, you know, what I'm trying to create is a more effective way of mentoring, and and through asking the right questions, that is what what's been shown to be a more effective way of mentoring. So it's a real challenge for me because, yeah, I, I, <laughs> to make my life easy, it would be easy just to tell people what to do. And we see that happen a lot, you know. It's very easy to tell people what to do, but focusing the right questions out of people and getting them to tell you what they're going to do is actually a more effective way. So, Yeah, and I think it... That you just sort of need to. Um, it, it's actually more difficult to uh, to create that sort of um, bond and relationship where you can where you can have them talk about that, and you know it, it is actually more difficult because you've got to you know you've got to think of the best way to approach it as opposed to just throw you know throwing everything at them and telling them what you think they should do. But um, but you know change only change only really comes when that person's ready to change. So. Um, it's. I sort of found that when I ran a training camp over in Tanyapura uh, a few months ago, and you know, with with that, we have a, a goal setting session where the athletes write down their uh, their goals, um, an event that they're training for, what they need to do to to achieve it, um, and you know, what are some of the uh, habits and, and things like that that they're going to create in order to achieve what they've set out to do, and. Um, and then I got a, got them to share it with the group and and with other athletes there, and um, and that way they're really building their own their own vision, their own um, dream, as opposed to you telling them you know what what they should be doing to to hit those goals. And I found that just um, that kind of discovery process really beneficial, and you know especially with with adults, you know they just don't get asked that very often, and they don't get the time or the chance to really sit down and, and write down their their goals clearly and, and define what they are exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do, do you use any sort of visualization with your athletes, or is, is that part of the uh, the program that you have them go through? Uh, yeah, definitely. When we're talking more about yeah racing, and you know, I, one of the things I like to to focus on is that training is. You train to race. Uh, I find a lot of athletes, um, not through my mentoring that I've done, but just over the years, you know, a lot of athletes just too focused on on training. Where and you know they, they leave a lot of their best performances in training sessions. Whereas you know just that small shift in focus of training to race is something that I use, and I guess that's where. You know, the visualization can, can start. It's a good starting point, you know, where you, rather than trying to nail, have the best actual session, you're not, you're not so focused on that particular set. You focus, start to focus more on, on racing and 
through that process and you're automatically going to have a great session, right? But you're not focused on so much on the session. You started that process of visualising you racing and then, yeah, closer to the race, I mean, there's, there's lots of different techniques and I probably don't know all of them, but... As you get closer to racing, then yeah, we'll, we'll become a, mo- a lot more specific, um, visualizing the you know race and so on as well. Mm. I think it's yeah, it's important about the the training to race because uh, uh, a friend of mine who's a, a pro triathlete, he was trained over in France the last couple of years and trained with a, a good squad over there, and he said that half you know most of the time, uh, sometimes it's the athletes that weren't necessarily training the hardest every session that were racing really well and uh, I think the reason behind that is that they were um, possibly doing what they needed to do in the session in order to race well as opposed to giving 100% every single session and and maybe pushing harder than was what was required in the training session and as much as you'd like the hardest working athletes to succeed sometimes it's you've got to you've got to train smart with the with the end goal in mind um, of you know of wanting to, to race well and sometimes it might mean holding back a little bit in some sessions if that's what the, the session requires did you sort of find that uh, when you were when you were you know training for the Olympics and com games and everything is that did you sort of come across that with athletes as well oh yeah all the time I constantly came yeah in contact with athletes who in training, like, scared the hell out of me. Um, I was, yeah, blown away with what some athletes could do in training. And then it, and then, but on the flip side, it confused the hell out of me how come they would never beat me, you know, in, in the races. <laughs> like, uh, I, and I think one of probably the greatest examples of this, who fortunately was able to turn it around and, has gone on to become one of the greatest triathletes of all time is, is Craig Alexander. I, I trained with Crowey um, back in 2000 and back then his sort of, his nickname was sort of the, the world champion trainer. You know, he trained so hard and everyone who was, uh, who came in contact with Crowey back then just knew that once he got things sorted, you know, in the races, that once something clicked, that he was going to just dominate. And it still took, a, you know, a few years after that for that to happen. But, you know, around 2005, I think, he, yeah, he's had a breakthrough. And from then on, he's just um, something clicked. I, I don't know. I'd love to try I'd actually love to sit down with him and ask him one day to change. Because it, clearly there was nothing physical that changed between, you know, two, 2000 to 2004 to then 2005 to 2007. just dominated life life, you know. It was clearly just a mental thing. So, yeah, but I guess he was classic example of someone who was so amazing in training. Um, I was the best triathlete in the world around that around that time, yet 
he was my training and he would he would whip me in training. <laughs> I, I I could not compete with him in training, swimming, running, he would he would smash me up. Um, the bike we were probably, you know, even. Um, but the other two disciplines, he had a lot more speed than, than I did, yet I was the fastest triathlete in the world around, around that time. But, um, yeah, fortunately for him, you know, he and, yeah, went on to be one of the greatest triathletes of all time. But there's, there's a lot of triathletes who haven't overcome that and, and have left a lot of their best performances in, in training and, and never really converted that to being the athlete that they could be. Mm. Is that something you feel gave you an advantage when you were racing was um, some, kind, like your, some kind of mental uh, quality or, or, or mindset that, that gave you an advantage over a lot of your competitors? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I never stood on the start line thinking that I was physically better than my competitors. But there were many times I stood on the start line thinking that I that I could beat everyone, you know. And it was just through different things, you know, through preparing differently. Uh, there were some things which were measurable, which, you know, training is often measurable and we often measure ourselves from training sessions, but there were certain things. So I always paid a lot of attention to my diet and nutrition. And that, that isn't measurable, apart from getting some blood tests or things like that. But I always stood on the start line thinking, I'm the healthiest guy on the start line. No, one, no one's body is going to be more efficient than mine today because I'm, I'm healthier than everyone else. I'm going to be able to push myself to the, a further limit because... My body functions at a higher level. I couldn't prove that. I didn't. I didn't have no real means to to know. But I just believed it, and that was a. a, a Whether it was true or not, it didn't matter. I believed it, so mm. that was one of the tricks that I used through my career. Um, obviously, there has to be a combination of training, but. Looking back over the years, the years that I won the World World Championship and compared to the years that I finished runner-up, I reckon I was physically in better shape the years that I was finished runner-up than the years that I won. But the years that I won, I was very confident and had hope I was going to win. It was was powerful lessons to learn that belief, having that belief in yourself. Yeah, definitely. And you can see it. Um, I don't know if you've seen much of the the UFC, but uh, the the recent fight with Conor McGregor, the, the Irish guy versus Joe yeah. Rialdo, that Did you see the fight? Oh, yeah, 18 seconds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just going into the ring, Conor McGregor looked so loose and relaxed and he... You know, it could have been any other day for him. And just Jose Aldo looked scared. He wouldn't look him in the eye. Um, and it just looked from the very beginning that that you, know, you could almost tell what was going to happen. And it did within, you know, 14, 15 seconds. So it's um, just that mindset going into it. And, I mean, fighting's probably the most, um, the most sort of uh, evident with that. But then, you know, you can see it 
on the, the start line in triathlon as well is, is how people are feeling. If they've got that those race nerves, they've got the anxiety at the start, then you know, nine times out of ten, you know how they're going to race. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, um, no, I'm a, I'm a fan. Like it's, uh, I'm a fan of the USC as well. And yeah, I saw a follow up um, video, or well, not video, but interview of Conan, and the reporters said, you know, you described exactly what was going to happen in your, in your fight, like word for word. You know, moment for moment, you described it. This was after the event, like. But an interview that he'd done before, he had talked about it afterwards, and and he's yeah, it was it was really not mind blowing, but it's 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 great to see that kind of stuff, and it's it's sometimes hard to it's easier to explain before it's happened than after because you're you are in a different state of mind, and it's it is a state of mind that you have to work yourself into, and it doesn't doesn't just happen overnight. There's a lot of things you can change very quickly in, in the mind, but there's also things that need work over, you know, weeks or, you, you, you know, usually weeks, I would say, um, and sometimes months. But, yeah, this, yeah, it was really interesting just the way, you know, he was so clear on what he was going to do in the fight. You know, he... Yeah. He picked his patterns, and and that was that was definitely something that I was that I used during my career. Just having that clarity of of what was going to happen in the race, and it's, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, one, it's amazing being in that state of mind. Uh, it's almost a knowingness that you're going to. But. When I won my first world title, I said I was going to, I was going to be, you know, um, came out, said it, and I knew exactly how I was going to do that, you know, through the race plan and, and so on. And it's, yeah, when it unfolds, you know, about, well, actually, I'm pretty sure that race unfolded exactly how I had anticipated. It's such, it's a, such a powerful way to, to race, you know, I, I find it's a, uh, there's two there's two ways to, to compete and one's being proactive and one's being reactive. And when you have a clear race race plan, then you're you're being proactive. You you're dictating what you want or how you want to race rather than waiting to see what everyone else does. Uh, and I'm like I know triathlon very well, but I've spoken to some swimmers as well. Who have also used, you know, being proactive, you know, exactly, you know, knowing exactly what they're going to do, take the race out real hard, or, you know, mm. you know, different way, whatever, whatever your sport needs, then, then you've got to be prepared for that, and prepared for that, yeah, physically and, and definitely. Yeah, and that's that's what I love about sport is it's just um, you can just being able to sort of set those goals and, and work towards them and then uh, and then just having the, I guess, yeah, having having the confidence to go out there and um, and race it to how you planned and then have that come off, ha- you know, have that happen. It's, uh, I think it's just, such, it gives you such, uh, such confident, confidence for everything else that you do 
in in your life is you know you really get to test yourself and and see what you're capable of whereas just i guess in day-to-day life it's very hard to have that show so clearly so um in my probably my best my best best race when i you know i visualized this uh, this 400 im when i was 15 it was my um from 12 months out i was visualizing this race and i knew what time i wanted to go uh, and how it would play out and then I, I got within about i think it was within about half a second of what i'd planned and it was as well beyond what i'd done uh, in the past but i just pictured myself swimming this race for 12 months in the lead up to it and it came off and i just never had such such a good feeling um after a race like that one when um, yeah, when you're seeing this thing happen for so long out, but then you actually go ahead and do it, it's um, it's very hard to beat that feeling. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> um, what, yeah. what what is your what are your strategy strategies or how do you what do you do when you sit down and um, think about your goals for the next six twelve months? What's your 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 plans for doing that? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I like to write them down. Um, and yeah, it goes with any, any sort of goals, whether they're triathlon or racing goals or sporting goals or, or life, or life goals or different, different aspects of life. Uh, yeah, and I, I sort of, I run through, yeah, the what, why, where, how, when, you know, all those, uh, different aspects of, of the goal, um, and I find, yeah, once I go through all those steps, it sort of answers all, all the questions of, of what what the goal is. Um, and, yeah. So you just you, you keep it simple. And is there any uh, specific uh, sort of timeline you, you have when setting goals? Like you just you only think about the next six months or, or do you set real long-term ones like five years, ten years out? To be honest, like throughout my career, it's 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 fluctuated. It's not something that I've um, done uh, consistently. Yeah, I would say. Uh, so yeah, sometimes I've set those those longer term five and ten year goals, and then other times I've just been yeah focused a bit more on the short to mid term goals. Um, yeah, I oh, look. It's one of those things. Um, how I wish I probably had have written more long-term goals out, uh, but yeah, something that we, I, we, I guess we can all constantly work at. Mm, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think it, it kind of goes in, um, you know, it goes in, in stages. It's like it's like when you're competing. You know, you you might you might be training for an event which is 12 months away, so you're working towards it, and then afterwards, you know, you're going to take a break and, and have a rest. And the same thing goes when you're you're setting your goals is sometimes you it's good not to have anything there for a while just so you can switch off relax and be ready to reset the next time you, you know you're ready to work towards something big so it's um yeah i think it's like it's like anything in life that uh, it's a bit like a bit of a roller coaster yeah and you know uh, just yeah i guess it's the case of i mean i one of the reasons, um, you know, my mentor was, was so powerful for me was, you know, I, I always, uh, everything he 
anything you know, I guess told me to do or asked me to do, I knew that he was always prepared to do it as well. And so there was a lot of respect there. Um, and that's, I guess it's something that I try and, try and create as well, that if I'm, you know, advising someone to do this or that, you know, that I'm, that I'm willing or prepared to do it as well. Mm. Um, but on the flip side, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% perfect either. And so, you know, you can't always, you know, um, yeah, set your life around what someone else has or hasn't done. You know, it's, mm. it's yeah, you really got to take control of your own own life and, and what's, yeah, what's important to you. Yeah, definitely. And with the, with the people that you that you advise that you sort of consult to, what what stage are they at? Uh, not, I wouldn't say mentally, but so someone um, when you get approached by someone, what are they generally um, wanting to achieve or wanting to do? So, why does someone? Um, yeah, what sort of makes someone think I, I really need to work on my, my mental game? Well, yeah, it really varies. Um, Yeah, I've had juniors, I've had uh, age groupers, I've had pros. Probably the the one thing that I have have noticed uh, is I I get more women to to be my mentees. Um, That's something that, yeah, I've... It's fine with me. Like I, I, it's uh, yeah. But it's just something that I've noticed that, that a lot more women are, are open to being mentored. Mm. Um, and yeah, which is yeah. Again, it's, it's I, I still enjoy um, working with all all types of athletes, whether they're elites, age groupers, juniors. Or so on. I, when I first set out to do it, it was I was probably more thinking towards juniors because I think that's a really influential time in their in their career. How it was for me. I, I had a lot of questions when I was at that age. Um, but you know, every, everyone still has questions, and just one of the yeah one of the things that I do enjoy about mentoring is that. I often finish a session and I, I ask myself, like, if they hadn't have asked me that question, I wonder if they would have asked anyone else. Mm. Uh, and, and sometimes it's just, it might just be a little, a little question, it might be a big one, but um, it's just nice to know that, you know, people, people trust me and, and yeah, that they're confident. Comfortable, uh, comfortable, you know, talking to me about, you know, basically anything and everything. And that, but it is one of the things that it is important from my point of view is that every session that I, I have is 100% confidential with with the athlete. Um, and so, yeah, it's I think that's comforting for, for the athlete to know that I don't discuss anything that I talk about with us. That's why it's, it's sometimes hard for me to, when I do get, say, interview like this, to talk to um, 
talk too much about what I talk about with, with athletes. Yeah, know? no, you can't, can't ask me specific questions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I'm, I'm asked about what, what I talk about with athletes or what happens with athletes, then, you know, I'm, I end up talking, I could potentially end up talking about personal situations, but, well, I guess, you know, gen, generalizing, you know, um, there's all different things that, you know, and, that are happening and sometimes uh, well, I guess it's similar to what we were talking about earlier is that often what I've found is just the athlete talking out loud about what they're trying to overcome or have challenges at the time, just them hearing it out loud often they'll come up with their own solutions or or might realise that them playing that over and over in their head, when they they listen to it, it's not quite as big as they made it it out to be. Um, And that's not to, you know, um, undermine or, or, you know, gloss over problems because it's something that they need to deal with, but when they... Just yeah, just speaking it out loud can often trigger enough to go. Hang on, I've blown this all out of proportion. It's not actually that big. We can do this, this, and this, and then mm. move, move on. So, but yeah, just sometimes it's, it's something as simple as that. You know, I'm not really doing anything there except except listening, and you know, and, and the athlete will come up with their own solutions. Or you know, often I'll I might. You know, together we'll have a solution as well. But just often, just talking out loud can, and hearing it out loud can often trigger the, the right responses and, and ways going forward. Well, I think just being having them being comfortable enough to talk to you about that stuff and, and being a bit of a sounding board uh, can, can be a huge difference because... I know with one of my mentors, we have a week, weekly call and it's, uh, there's three things we cover. One is a win you've had for the week. The second is a challenge you had for the week. And then one thing that you're going to do by the, the next call next week. And you know, half the time when I bring up the challenges that, that I'm having, um, I'll sort of talk them out. And then by the time I've finished talking, I know what pretty much what the solution is a lot of the time. And, and the times that I don't, he'll talk about, some uh, you know, some options might have, or things he might have done in the past, and and that it's just made a, a huge difference. Just as you said, sounding them out and talking them through, um, it, it's almost like you're like you're the, the the partner of another person. Like you know, if you got a wife or husband that you sort of talk can talk stuff out with. It's the same thing with the mentor is just being able to to be open about some stuff that you may not talk to you know, most people about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the important thing is, like, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't, and so I, I can't, you know, you know, sit on the other end of the call, you know, expecting to be able to answer, you know, answer everyone's questions or deal with every every situation that comes up. You know, I've um, I've had a lot of experience. I have. Uh, you know, my own knowledge, um, but that might not be the answer to everyone's you know, issues or challenges. Um, so, but, you know, 
if they have the answer, then that's <laughs> even more. That's even more powerful than than me having the answer. Yeah. So, well, and sorry, you go. <laughs> so yeah, just, it's about you know dealing with these things together, but I guess you know, talking about them, you know, brings it to the, you know, brings it up and, and shows that there is something to work through. And that's often the first and often the biggest step is actually acknowledging that need to come something. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I think when you say you know if you haven't got all the answers, you've got such a huge, um, huge base of experience and and knowledge behind you that uh, you know that you've probably dealt with a lot of the things that they've been thinking about or questioning themselves about, um, and you know. But I think. And, and when you were probably going through it, it was more about having the space for you to be able to understand it and and figure it out for yourself what the changes you'd need to make are. So, um, I th- yeah, and it kind of goes back to not telling people what they need to do, but more just uh, asking the right questions for them to discover it themselves. Yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, getting anxiety at the start of a race, so... Do you, do you find that this is uh, that it's really common among many age groupers, or you know, who do you find deals with nerves the most? Oh, it's totally random. Yeah, um, it's not it's not one group of athletes that have it more or less. Um, but yeah, come, I just try and bring it back to people focusing on what, what they can. It often sounds a, a, a lot, you know, cliche, but bringing it back to what people can can control, you know, it's usually the things that make us anxious are often the things that, that control, whether it's a crazy swim start, you know, um, scared of all the other people around us. Uh, I know it, with triathlon, it's the swim is what, Makes a lot of people the most anxious. Um, just yeah, having that those fears around open water, being around a lot of people, and yeah, things that are a bit out of their out of their control. But it's it's often when you bring it back to the things that they can can do, uh, and the things they do actually know, you know, to be true, then that that helps with. Yeah, overcoming some of these anxiety issues. Mm. Um, and and just to, to finish off, where can people find out about what you do and, and if they'd like to uh, work on their own mental game for triathlon, what's uh, the best place for them to visit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I guess the first point of call would be the website. Uh, and, yeah, everything is Elite Performing Minds. Uh, and the website's eliteperformingminds.com. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, all your social media. Uh, there's the Facebook page, Elite Performing Minds, Instagram. Uh, and, yeah, I guess the first point of call is just to, yeah, drop, drop an email or give me a call. Uh, my, all my details are on online, so. Awesome. And I think it's uh, it's such a, it's like you are sort of saying at the start, you know, it's, you prefer to work on the mental side of things with 
uh, with athletes as opposed to you know more of the, the physical training. Um, and I, I don't think that many coaches really cover the the mental aspect of of, of racing and and sport. But when it all comes down to it, that if you haven't got that right, you know a lot of times the work that you do before it is not for nothing. But you know, it's very hard to perform at your very best without having you know, the, the right mindset going into it. So I think it's great that you've that you've moved into that area um, because you know, there's a lot of especially triathlon coaches who who will help coach the physical aspect of triathlon, but yeah, not many doing the the, the mental game. So that's uh, that's excellent, and I think it's a, a really valuable service that, that you can offer people. Oops, you there? Yep. Sorry, mate. I don't know when it cut out. I, I was... Uh, yeah, but you were saying that it was, you were glad that I got, got, got into it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll um, put it on my end. I guess, yeah, I get, one of the reasons I just constantly heard, and it was, it was more elite athletes, you know, they're the ones getting get more interviews, that they were often referring back to the mental side of the sport, how important it was to, to perform well. You know, you know, obviously the winners always get interviewed and they were saying it was such, you know, it was such a mental game today for me, you know, the physical, they, they barely measured, mentioned the physical side of sport. You know, they, they always mentioned how, you know, they had to overcome something mentally, whether it was leading up to the race or during the race and it was a really important time for them and, and, you know, through my own personal experience, you know, it's the same thing. You know, often it was mental side, which definitely got me my great performances and probably held me back with some of my, you know, performances which didn't go to plan. So that's why I chose to focus on it. So, and also I, I enjoy this side of the sport. Um, I've... Tend to think that I was, it was one of my strengths through my career that you know I was good at the mental side of sport, uh, and so yeah, it, it took me a while to realise that some of the techniques that I were were different from other athletes. I for a long time I just thought that everyone did the same thing and everyone thought the same way, but it's not the case. And so. But a lot of those things can be learned. So that's why I'm, you know, I, I'm also at an age now where I'm willing to talk openly about it. Uh, probably 15 years ago, I, I would have spoken so open about the mental side of what, what, I, what I did. And why do you think that is? Oh, just the maturity thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, in my mid twenties, I was trying to, you know, beat the whole world up. You know, um, it's just a, it's just a maturity thing. Yeah, yeah. Change as you age, your your motivations change. Your, uh, yeah, racing for different reasons, and um, I guess as you're older, you got less to prove. I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're, yeah, we're, I guess. In my mid-twenties, I was, yeah, trying to prove everything to the world, so. Mm. 
And now, now it's like, well, now that's not the case anymore. And now I want to share what I've learned with the world. So this is a good, good bit to do it. Awesome. Pete, thanks for being uh, on the podcast. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put all the links uh, to your website and social media in the post. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, my pleasure. Great, great to chat and chat and open up about it. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.